DC health and wellness. I will say this. I did not give you a heads up last week as to what the questions yeah. were going to be that I was going to ask you. Yeah, on 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 purpose, right? Because so it would feel natural. Yeah, yeah. So tonight I'm going to ask yeah. you a couple questions as well. Yeah. Same yeah. way, it's good. Uh, don't worry, I have, I have a couple for you. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 20 years ago, our paths crossed in the sneaker world. And since then, we've been on a professional and personal journey together. We've made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of fun, and even a few wins along the way. Our goal is to share our experiences and insights so you don't have to make some of the same errors that we did. And in addition, we want to help you begin to think about things a little different. So join us as we unpack our unsolicited and sometimes polarizing views on business, faith, and family questions that make you want to unfollow ap it is episode nine of the unfollow podcast and tonight we are going to talk about health and wellness man i can't tell you how excited i am to talk about this especially after i had uh a half a slab of ribs two jalapeno sausages and a beer for dinner. So this is the perfect time to talk about health and wellness. And ladies and gentlemen, let's not get it twisted. This is Daryl CrossFit Calfee talking. So this is a lopsided conversation. I'm going to pull out of him what I need to learn as well. So I'm excited to talk about this. I think, you know, healthy mind, healthy body, man. Let's jump into it. Well, and I think we'll wrap all this back around to what you ate for dinner. And we will note that that actually was a really healthy dinner for you on a Sunday mm. Sabbath. Nice. I'll take it. Oh, I love it, dude. So, Daryl, people who know you know that you're a beast in the gym. You've always been that athletic guy that's good at a number of different things. I mean, you joke about being like the chubby guy back in the day. But I mean, let's be honest. You are a full-time marketer, vice president of marketing. You're a real estate mogul. Uh, you have three kids, including a newborn. You have a wife. You have all the requirements that all the rest of uh, working spouses have. And instead of getting a dad bod like me, you have the bod of a Greek god. How the heck is that fair? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Tell us the secret. <laughs> At 40, there's still some things that I'm not satisfied with. But um, yeah, man, I think... For me, it's about pursuit over perfection right now. Um, oh, yeah. Knowing that however old I get, whether that's 97, like I can still be in pursuit of physical wellness um, at 97. It's, are, are the weights going to change? Is the um, elapsed time going to change that I'm in the gym? Yeah, probably. But I can always be in pursuit. So I think it's that mindset, first of all. So, um, And has that mindset always been there? I think it lay dormant for a while. And I think as we talk about our early 20s together, um, I think I have to admit openly that that mindset was laying dormant um, or maybe it wasn't where it should have been as far as like making the right decisions. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit today too, because I think it's important that we're honest that, you know, I haven't always been uh, in the shape that I'm in now. Oh, so you haven't been Daryl CrossFit Coffee your whole life, but... I mean, I recall, so don't forget it twisted. I remember you 20 years ago, right? I mean, you know, you you were always like athletic, right? At least um, in, sh in some kind of athletic shape, right? And so I, I think I reflect on me, 
you know, if we're having hot pockets for lunch and we're hanging out eating Cheetos, like you might the same thing, but then you'd run up and remember after work, uh, was it at foot action? We were in that basketball league, like uh, one of those years. Oh man, I'd run up and down the court twice and I was winded. Daryl was running up and down the court the whole game, man. So yeah, no, there, there's something about that. So I, I love to dig into this conversation and A, let's talk about like, why is it so important? Like, all right, let's be real. What impact does the state of your body have on business, state of your family? I mean, why does it really matter? If I'm successful in business, isn't that enough? Can I kind of get a a pass? Like, does it really, really matter? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the answer to that is being in an optimal state. So if you view yourself as this machine, this thing that has energy, you're only able to produce a certain level if you're not in the best physical state that you can be in, if you're not in the best mental state that you can be in, if you're not in the best emotional, right? We know that these things are all connected. And we also know that spiritual is very important. But tonight, we're going to really focus on primarily the physical state. And what I'll tell you is as a high level guy like yourself, that's leading a bunch of people at a large organization, AP, what you don't realize is, and we've talked about this before, but it's the drain of energy, right? Our brains are trying to keep us alive. And so whenever we're using energy, we're not using energy for something else. And what I'll tell you is is that you have to be able to create that energy. You have to be in a healthy state where that energy is readily accessible. And if you're eating poorly, if you're not exercising, and if you're not sleeping right, we know this, right? you are actually not going to be at an optimal state. And so I would tell you that no matter how high level you are, if you're not working out, if you're not eating right, and um, if you're not sleeping enough, you're leaving something on the table. That's true. I read somewhere, um, you talk about the brain and the energy. Uh, I read somewhere the brain is 2% of your body weight, but 20% of the energy consumed by your body. So your brain is a 150th of the size of your body but it's a fifth of the energy. So your brain is consuming a ton, ton of energy. So if you think back to what changed for you, was it a, a moment, a health crisis? Was it a time or business crisis? Was it a life thing? Like, when did you get that moment? What, what was that threshold where you said, you know what, this matters enough to prioritize it? Uh, photos that I got back of myself uh, right after we had gotten out of college and we were at that first job were a big motivator. Um, you know, you and I worked at an office where literally a Burger King was in the parking lot outside. So we would just walk <laughs> oh, over yes. to Burger King and get lunch. I can remember standing in line with yes. you, right? Yep. To get Burger yep. King. We did it all the time. And, you know, people would argue, well, you know, hey, you're 20, 22, like your body can handle that, blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you that when I look back at the photos of me at that time, like my body wasn't doing too well with it. Um, and so I think, one of the motivators was is that I wanted to be in really good shape. And when I look at those photos of me, I wasn't. So I needed to change that. Um, I think the other motivator was I grew up with some guys. They're fine human beings. They're good dudes. But they kind of put their perspective. They projected on me what they thought was going to happen. And so they were all like, oh, man, you wait till you get to be 30 years old. You just watch your body slow down and change. And blah, blah, blah. Well, to be honest with you, they're just overweight. And they wanted to project that onto me and say like, oh, well, one day you're going to end up like us because you're going to behave like us. And so, you know, as it goes, the theme of this podcast unfollowing, like I decided that I was just going to have a different behavior. And so I think for me, chasing after physical fitness um, and 
learning to eat the correct things has really played a big impact in, in how I want to show up in the world. And so, yeah, I'm, am I motivated by uh, a group of people that told me like, I can't do it? Absolutely. Am I motivated by wanting to be healthy and, and look good in a photo with my family at 40 years old? Absolutely. But one of the biggest things for me is being able to operate at a really high level. And when I look back, I realize that a lot of my failures probably were impacted by the fact that I wasn't eating well uh, and I wasn't working out like I should. um, And I definitely wasn't sleeping like I should. So as we unpack that, like look at our diets when we were 22 years old, you know, working at foot action. We were eating Hot Pockets all the time. Uh, (laughs) We were eating that Burger King in the parking lot that we talked about. Um, and then you and I, I don't know what your refrigerator looked like, but when Johanna came to visit me in my apartment in New York, uh, there were a couple things going on. There was ravioli in cans and there was Mountain Dew, like regular Mountain Dew in my refrigerator. And she will tell you that she knew that that was a moment that I needed some help. So this, that was a pity marriage because she knew she needed to take care of you. So fast forward now, right? Um, obviously you got a lot going on, right? So I mean, who has the time to work, then work out? Like, how do you replace the excuses with action? Because I, I, I think we all have those moments, and I've had seasons in my life where I've been on it, where I'm, I'm hitting the gym every single day, or I'm training for a half marathon, I'm on it. And then something changes, right? A new job, a new challenge, I start traveling, and it slowly just creeps back. How do you, how do you stay focused on that with so many demands? So number one is, is you have to form a habit. So habits are way stronger than your willpower. Habit will always win over willpower. Well, if you're 22 years old out there listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking that's garbage sauce, right? Because right now you're staying up late. You're probably doing creative work late at night. um, And then you might be getting up later in the morning. But I will promise you, if you'll go to bed earlier and wake up earlier, you're going to be way more productive if you form that habit. And here's why. I get up at 420 most mornings. And the reason I get up that early is because I go to a 5 a.m. workout class. I go to That's a 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I go to a 5 a.m. workout class. I am done by six o'clock. I'm done with the majority of my physical fitness for the day by 6 a.m. Most people still aren't even waking up at 6 a.m. Yeah. From 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And you can witness to this AP because we're on a devotional together. I'm, I'm making coffee. I'm feeding myself correctly, I'm doing my devotional, um, and I'm preparing for my day. And all of that happens before anybody in my house wakes up. And the reason that I do it that way is because I learned a long time ago from some guys way smarter than me that if I want to work out in the morning, nobody cares. They don't care if I get up at 3 a.m. But if I want to work out after work, Everybody cares because the girls are going to wonder where I'm at. Johanna's going to need some help at home. So what I learned was is if I get up in the morning, that's my time. If I stay late or I go to the gym after work, I'm stealing from them. That's good. So it's funny. It sounds like half of uh, fitness maintenance is really time management. This prioritizing what's important, right? And, and slotting out that time as well. Um, no, that's, I think that's the thing I reflect back on my journey. I think I had a, my kind of call it come to Jesus moment. It was, uh, I remember it clearly it was the day Alicia, um, we were hosting a party for Alicia. She was turning 30 to Alicia's big 30th birthday party. 
And I was getting dressed. I was, you know, I was hosting at her house and we had friends coming over and caterer and, you know, big deal. Big 30th. I remember getting dressed and I was putting on a shirt. At that time, I think it was like a, a 2X shirt and it was tight. I remember I had that moment where it was like a 2X shirt is tight. Now, I just started a new job. I was traveling as well. And anybody who knows me, family, friends, you know, you can track Adrian's. Uh, resume by his weight. Every time he starts a new job, there goes that new job 15 or 20 because he's working and you know he's not working out and he's he's not eating right, etc. And so yeah, it was one of those times when I was just on the new job thing. I remember thinking to myself, I can't go out and go buy a 3X shirt. And I remember that day I enjoyed the party, but that next day I remember sitting down and like asking myself this question what's my why because i had always like yo-yo you see me right i'd I'd go you know i could be big adrian i could be a little adrian like i could work out i could not but i remember um the moment change for me was when i realized it wasn't just to like try to get in shape it was i mean i wrote this down it was i want to be a healthy husband for alicia i want to be a fit father for my my kids i had two at that time and that changed a lot. So I hadn't got perfect, but when when I remember why I'm doing this for them, it it does give me at least a boundary so that I know why I'm motivated. Um, so you're a bigger guy. You're what six four, six five? Yeah, yeah, about uh, six three and a half. Yeah. So you get to hide some of that weight a little bit better than yeah. I hear that all the time. Oh, you're tall. I didn't know you were like what? Yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah. But when I look back at old photos yeah. of us, it's clear yeah. that you weighed a lot more. You oh, lost yes. a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, tell me about the spiritual connection to losing that much weight. Yeah, you know what? I was probably at my biggest about two seventy five. I was about twenty five years old, about two hundred and seventy five pounds. Um, a lot of it, you know, I was in a relationship at that time and just eating and working and I mean, I just didn't have a care in the world. And I remember um, a lot of it was tied to I was spiritually bankrupt. I was doing the things that made me happy. So food right, was just a, one of the many byproducts of a life where Adrian was at the center of the universe. And so from my job, from my relationship decisions, my diet, all of that was all about me. And it, it took a crisis. It took a crisis of relationship took a crisis of financial, like, oh my gosh, like I had a couple of financial setbacks that were totally preventable because I didn't do some other things. So um, if you look at where I was just as a person, I wasn't in a good spot. And it took that breakdown to build me up to start saying, you know what? I don't have to have the life that, um, that I was headed down. I can change my path. And so I started to work out. I started to do that and never saw myself as a workout guy. But I started, I remember the first time I started running when I was probably about 25, I couldn't run a block without stopping a block, like literally a neighborhood block. I would stop. That's how like crazy out of shape I was. Right. And then, you know, you fast forward a few years later, I'm running half marathons. But that I mean, that that only happens by taking a long term view, a step and a day at a time. But it really was a a spiritual crisis. And so my state physically was only just a mirror for what was really going on in, inside of me. Uh, I think from a soul perspective, what's the one physical fitness habit that you've done that has stuck with you? Oh, that's good. I think uh, the ability 
it's physical, but it's also, I guess, spiritual and mental. Uh, starting your day with uh, gratitude and devotion. I think no matter what I do, just starting my day with like just some stillness to a be thankful that I saw the day because it wasn't promised, and b just take a moment to just to be thankful for what I have in terms of like just being alive, my family, just gratitude, just general gratitude and breathing as well. And so even if I don't run and hit the Peloton or, you know, we got a weight bench here or I'm lifting weights or jump in the pool, even if I just start the day with that mental clarity of thank gratitude and devotion, thanking God, that's something that I've seen work um, for me, almost like how you describe, like, I've got to get rid of those endorphins. Like it, it's, you see the focus in it. For me, I know that because of my role as a father, as a leader, a provider, I'm um, oftentimes in my life way outside of my my depth. Like I can't see the bottom of the pool. Most days of my life, I'm swinging on the deep end and I'm just trying to make it. And I know I need the spiritual floaties. And unless I check in and air those bad boys up, the day does not go well. So, yeah, for me, it's just airing that up, man, with gratitude and devotion, thanking God, putting him first and then getting into it. OK, so what's your perspective on fasting then? Oh, you know, what? I've um, really gained an appreciation for fasting. Uh, first time I fasted was uh, about 10 years ago. And then since then, I've, I've done a few intermittent fasts or call it, you know, from either five to seven days when I've, I fast for focus. So I, I think on, you know, on a spiritual perspective, fasting, right. means to go without so that you can lean and depend on God for a focus, right? So uh, creativity and answer, it becomes an opportunity. If you look, think about Jesus in the wilderness, it's an opportunity for him to go without, you know, fast to push your plate back so that you can really focus all of your effort and really depend on God. And so uh, I fasted, I think, at least three or four times in my life. I've gone at least a week on a fast. And it's been honestly probably a, I almost want to say a fast of desperation or a intense fast for clarity. It's been an opportunity when, I, God, I need to hear from you. I'm going without food. I'm going without even coffee. I'm going without things because I have to hear from you um, as well. So for me, it's, it's really been a spiritual tool, right? So to go without food so I could go to God and focus or for spiritual strategies, because as we know, most of the things we're dealing with, you know, we see them physically, but it's the invisible battles that have an overwhelming effect on our on our health and well-being. So yeah, how about, how about you? Have you, uh, what, what's your fasting approach, your philosophy or history? Well, my new philosophy is yeah. fast for focus. I think that's yeah. an amazing quote. I'm writing that one down. That yeah. is so good to fast for focus. Oh, that's good. Uh, we fast at the beginning of every year. Um, we do that collectively as a church body as well. Um, and we normally do it for about 21 days. There's a bunch of different ways you can do that. You can do full fast. You can do a Daniel's fast. You can choose to do yeah. one meal. Um, I'll also do intermittent fasting as well. Um, you know, it can or cannot be uh, good for you. There's different opinions on it. But for me, it helps to keep me sharp sometimes in the morning if I'm feeling a little bit cloudy. That's why I like your idea of fast for focus because, you know, a cup of coffee, let me stretch to noon. Let me go from noon to yeah. six eating and then not eat after that. Man, I feel really sharp in those spaces. 
Um, and so I would say too, to your point, like food can be a crutch, especially if you're staying up late. And so that's where I was at early in my career. So if you're listening to this and you're in your early twenties, know that I was staying up late in my earlier career to do late night work. Like that's when I was doing my creative work. And a lot of people will tell you that that's when the best creative work comes is like late at night. And so whether it was design or video, those things are so good late at night. And I know that, but we also know that late at night, your eating habits really fall off because what happens is, is about after eight o'clock, you really turn to stuff that's really not that good for you. And you really just want something to crunch and munch on a lot of times, almost like a lion, you know, like the way that you're just like grinding that stuff in your teeth. And so not only going to bed earlier so I can get up earlier has been healthy for me uh, physically, but also not staying up late has been good because it helps me also make sure that I'm not eating late. Um, and that's also been a win for me. Um, yeah. So as far as fasting goes, I just really believe that it's a spiritual practice. I think as we look at the word, it says when you fast, not if you fast. So it says when you fast. Um, and we, like you said, we see that in Christ's life all the time. Like we always see these moments where he needed to get focused. So he fasted. Um, so yeah, I think fasting is an important part of it, whether it's a, a daily habit or it's a, like a spiritual ritual that you go through, you know, every couple of months, yeah. I think it's healthy, but I love that fasting for focus. It's really, really good. Um, okay. So as we think about our physical bodies, right. Impacting our mental, our spiritual, our emotional health. Uh, and we probably didn't do a great job of that in our twenties. If you could go back, what would be the one thing that you would do over again? Uh, I'd tell, you know, call it 20 year old Adrian, start now. Don't, don't wait till the doctor looks at you and says, what is wrong with you? You know, or don't wait till you're running for the train uh, and you're out of breath and you wonder why you're so out of shape. Don't wait till, you know, a coworker says, oh, you know, gives you that look like mm, you gained some weight or, you know, somebody, an old, old lady at church pokes you a little bit and says, oh, getting that happy weight. Like, don't wait for a trigger to do the right thing. Um, I'd say start now. Start small. Like, you don't have to, like, be the Olympic athlete. So I would encourage myself to start doing the things right now from a diet um, and fitness perspective uh, and not wait for a external trigger for you to, to do the right thing. I, I, I think I would have made fitness a habit um, earlier in my life, uh, much more than, you know, being later on, for sure. So I guess for you... What's your why, right? Like, why does it matter? Joe's going to love you if you have love handles. You're still going to be a great marketer if you got, like, a, a beer belly. I mean, it doesn't affect anything in terms of your career output or your house flipping. Like, why does Daryl Wayne Calfee have six-pack abs? <laughs> well, that's the lie that we tell ourselves, right? That it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the lie that we yeah. tell ourselves is, is that my physical condition has absolutely no impact on my mental condition or my emotional condition or my spiritual condition. Ooh, talk about it. Let's go. But I think we would argue that everything is spiritual, right? So that it's all interconnected. And so I think what happens is for me, and I, again, I can only speak from my own personal experience. Like when I am, when I'm healthy, when I'm physically fit, uh, all of the other things 
fall into line. Like I always joke and say, after 8 a.m., the wheels start to fall off the wagon uh, because you lose control, like you're reacting to things. But again, like for me, between 4.20 and 8 a.m., like I am proactive. I am in control of what's happening. And so I think the same goes for my physical state. If I handle that first, right, all of the other things fall into place. And so um, if I get up and I physically move, right, have a glass of water, I have a cup of coffee, um, I move a little bit, and then I head off to the gym. If I do those things in that order, it's adult medicine for me. Um, I, I learned this a yeah. long time ago about myself, like that ritual, right? That cadence is what I need. Um, and in addition to that, I need uplifting music in the morning. Um, a lot of times I'll be listening to a very specific type of praise and worship or gospel music um, that puts me in the right headspace um, on the way into the gym. And again, like I'm getting myself in this state where then I can begin to do the other things mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Wow, good. So then when I come home, I, I, I have already gotten the physical component out of the way. And now I can really focus on the mental, the spiritual, and the emotional. And you and I both know that it requires all three of those to be a really good father, husband, um, and coworker at the office. So that's why it's important. So the lie that we tell ourselves is, is that my dad bod, right? doesn't matter and that she's going to love me no matter what. Yeah, sure. That's fine. But what if it's not really about whether she's going to love you or not? What if it's really about, am I able to operate mentally, emotionally, and spiritually on a much higher level because I've handled the physical component? I think that's really what it's about, AD. Yeah, that's deep. I wonder how much I reflect on me, how much of my fear of or my lack of focus on fitness, as I'm asking myself almost a question, has been almost a fear of focus. It's been like almost a fear of going all in. So I think for you, you, you're all in kind of guy, right? I mean, your mantra is, I want to put a dent in the universe. And so everybody knows that Daryl goes all in. And I think there are those of us who just don't want to go all in. So it's like, I want to be healthy-ish. I want to be successful-ish. But it's, I think there's almost this fear, this inertia of like, I don't want to try too hard, A, because if people see me try and fail, I'll look like a failure, or hey, if I don't get to the limit or I compare myself, right, I don't have Daryl's abs, that becomes a, a barrier. So I, I think there is this mental, I love how you talk about the healthy mind, the healthy body, the spirit, the emotional, all of that comes together and all that makes you not only a better husband, a better spouse, but also a better leader. Yeah. And I think that's where the emphasis has to lie. Because I think what happens is, is a lot of people get caught up in the physical component of it. And they think it's about aesthetics. How do I show up in the world? Do I want to look good in a photo with my family? I sure do. Do I want to have to hide my myself behind my kids in a photo at the beach? No, I don't want to have to do that. Right. Um, and I and if I want to chase after that physically, like that's fine. But what I'll tell you is that if that's your main motivator, it's usually going to fall short. What you really have to do is treat the physical just like you do anything else, right? Like you really have to love it because if you don't love it and you don't have a habit for it, it's going to fall off. I'll tell you the third thing that you have to do is you have to surround yourself with people um, who are going after it too. 
you and I both say this all the time, that you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with the most, right? And so if I look at the five men in my life that I surround myself with the most, they're all at the gym. There's only one of them that I can think of that's not at the gym as often, right? So that kind of brings our average down, but he vacillates back and forth. And so I think surrounding yourself with men that are chasing after that, or if you're a woman listening to this, surrounding yourself with women who are chasing after that, right? And not making excuses. I think that's where you're also going to find like kind of your secret sauce in creating some of those really good habits. That's good, man. Let's dig into the spiritual part of this because I, I'd say for me, I didn't think about my fitness or my health as a spiritual thing till probably my mid to late 20s. I remember um, I had just joined a church, like joining a church post-college, which is like the moment in everyone's life. Because, you know, if, if you grew up in church and I'm, I'm a preacher's kid, so I grew up in church. So I went to church, you know, three or four times a week because my parents made me. Then in college, I fell off. But, you know, after college, I started going to church on my own. Uh, and I remember joining a youth ministry uh, there. And one of the first books we read was this book called Momentum for Life. And the whole premise of this book is sustaining your personal health, your integrity and your focus as a leader. Right. And I was like, what kind of book are we reading in church that talks about it's spiritual, it's uh, mental, it's strategic focus and it's health, like all together. I remember this author, Michael Slaughter, uh, challenging the reader. He said, the uh, tragedy of mediocrity, right? He talked about the tragedy of mediocrity that Christians would let any part of their lives uh, be mediocre and not glorify God. And it doesn't mean like you're an Olympic athlete. It doesn't mean you're always wealthy, but it means like there is a certain pursuit, to your to use your word, a certain pursuit of uh, betterment um, as, as a witness. And that was the first time I had ever connected that, oh, like what I'm eating after church or what I'm doing during the week from a health and fitness perspective actually becomes a witness. And now I notice with my family, right, my fitness is a witness to my family. So the times when I'm on it, like it didn't mean Alicia, my kids, like every time dad is not working out, they're unhealthy. But I, when I'm on it, it makes all boats rise. I mean, my wife is extra on it because oftentimes how much of our eating out or diet decisions are based on, hey, what do you want? Or how much of our time spent is based on that. And so I've seen that the witness I can give by being more active actually elevates my entire family to, to, to your point. So I, I think that spiritual connectivity is something we don't talk about in church, especially, I gotta be honest. I mean, growing up in an African-American church, and when I visit African-American churches, I mean, I, and this is not a stereotype. It, it's probably an overgeneralization. But when I go to predominantly black churches and I look around, and there's so many of us, so many of us who are so, so big, so overweight. And, you know, and we die early from things that are preventable. Right. And so that's one of my fears. Right, I look at my family and, you know, we, we, we've got, you know, it's, you know, blood pressures, diabetes, just heart, heart disease. A lot of these things are um, preventable things, man. And so this, this stuff matters more than just the physical. There is a spiritual element to it. In all honesty, like there's always got to be somebody in front of you teaching you. And that goes for for eating and exercise as well. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so critical, you know. And a lot of the communities, um, when I had my own business about 10 years ago, one of the, um, 
businesses I work with was a tutoring program in uh, disadvantaged and minority low income uh, high schools in Dallas. And I remember, I mean, you look around in these communities. I mean, we're we're just trying to survive. So the idea of like healthy food or working out is like that's that's like step 10. We're talking steps one through three are just like, you know, make it through the night, get something to eat at least once a day. Like, you know, try to take try to make enough money or for food to like sustain yourself for a week. And so when you're in survival mode, it's hard to to, you know, you're not thinking about CrossFit. You're thinking about how do I just make it um, as well? Yeah. So I, I, I think there is that degree of this. That is that leadership, that mentorship of actions. I think a lot of leaders, though, don't um, don't realize the impact that their uh, fitness regimen might even have. On their witness, most of the most high performing leaders I know who are high performing community or corporate doesn't matter, do have a a some kind of pretty rigorous fitness regimen where it's non-negotiable. Like they're waking up, they're, they're swimming, they're running, they're working out, they're cycling, whatever it is. But it's it's kind of their thing. And like they make room for it. They make if they're traveling, they travel with their clothes. If they're at home, like it's it's a non-negotiable. It's like. It's like taking a shower, working out. It's not something that that they have to uh, to prioritize every week because they prioritize it every day in their life. Yeah. And I think for far too long, we've given the pastors in our worlds a pass on this. Right. So they've been leading us spiritually and we've been giving them a pass on the visual manifestation of obesity in a lot of communities. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this too, and this might be a sensitive topic, but I feel like earlier in our careers, nobody was telling us, Hey, you're drinking too much. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're the guy who, you know, is the lead guy at Patron right now. So this might be a sensitive topic, but like, how do you handle looking back and saying, Hey, what's too much? Because alcohol can play a huge role in, in a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Alcohol is really one of those, um, you know, I call it, it's a responsibility opportunity. It's almost like wealth uh, and money where you look at, if you can handle it responsibly, um, it's a great thing, right? So alcohol, think about socializing with friends. So many moments that matter in your life. You know, you've, you've had alcohol, whether it's wine, whether it's a beer. It's just uh, this, this social occasion. You know, even in, you know, in, you know, history, you know, uh, cavemen were brewing beer before they were breaking b- bread, like like beer, like some kind of fermented alcohol or distilled spirits have been a part of like us for like centuries. And so, right, there's always for mankind, as soon as we could like make fire, like, we, we, you know, it, it was it was beer time for cavemen. And I think you fast forward now, it's such a part of like how we socialize, especially in the United States. I think, but the challenge is this, though. I think um, moderation is so, so tricky because especially in a COVID era where alcohol consumption has gone up, right, because we're all kind of quarantined under a pandemic. And so, you know, the typical rules apply in terms of, you know, a, a drink a day is considered like moderate drinking. If you, you know, look at like, you know, health and if you look at, you know, science, it's like, you know, uh, a drink a day is OK for for a man. But I think I challenge, I think the slippery slope is your motivation. Are you drinking to medicate? Are you drinking to um, circumvent an issue? Is there an emotional connection? Is there a trigger? 
Is there a, a, an, an, a, a barrier there? And if that's the case, and yeah. that's what causes, I think, um, you to slide into a place that's unhealthy. And because it's so um, different and unique for every individual, I know several people who just don't drink period because they don't want to come close to it. Like, I don't want to come close to the cliff so why even go down the get on the ledge? And so I, I respect that, too. Right. I, I respect that because, you know, so as a spirits marketer and a leader in a spirits organization, you know, we always, you know, I think promote and encourage responsible drinking, mindful drinking um, as well. But, you know, there's you know, I, I it, 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 it is a challenge. And I think I, I have those moments when I read stories about uh, alcohol abuse that lead to some tragedies and. It's a it's a burden. It's it, it's hard, and so yeah, uh, alcohol is is uh, can be rewarding, but it, it is a very dangerous thing when it becomes a vice. I guess what's next for you in terms of like you have a fitness goal? Like, is it like a time? Is it a personal record? A best? Mm. Is it a CrossFit goal? Is it a bench press max like what is is there a goal is there something you're working towards that's a great question so i had never set any physical fitness goals before like i want to reach a certain level or do a certain thing like working out was always something that was required to do something else so in my past working out was required to be good at a sport right um or working out was required to not be overweight right but Last year, I set a goal, and it was to deadlift 500 pounds, and I've never deadlifted 500 pounds before. So, I did it last year, and it was like this really fun achievement. Like, I felt like such a sense of achievement because I had, you know, reached that 500 mark, but I'll tell you, like, I didn't do it by myself. Like, the reason I got to that mark was because I was surrounding myself with guys who were also doing that. And again, back to the beginning of our conversation, if you're the average of the five people you're surrounding yourself with all the time, if they're chasing after stuff like that, you're going to join them in that. So anyway, so it was really good. good. Uh, When you look at this year, you know, obviously with the pandemic um, and our gym shut down for quite a while, really it was just me in the garage swinging kettlebells. I'm a big kettlebell guy. Um, But the goal for me is to release those endorphins. There's something about the endorphin release when I work out that is really, really good. Um, I think most men will experience that. Um, And again, as we age, like our goal is to keep our testosterone level high. And so time and time again, what we found is, is the bigger, heavier lifts, like your squat, your deadlift, your bench press, when you're doing that with a significant amount of weight, what happens is that the body will actually release more testosterone. So again, endorphins, testosterone, and then mental clarity. Like again, uh, if I have a good cup of coffee, I've listened to some really good praise and worship or gospel music in the morning, and I get my physical fitness on, I have a great mental clarity. Now that's just my personal drug that's of good. choice. But again, like you might go out for a run and get that same release and have great mental clarity. Yeah. One thing I would encourage because I get guys because they know it's because like you mentioned, if you know me, if you or you see a picture of me, I've had people come up to me. They seen the picture of me from 20 years ago. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, how'd you lose all that weight? And, you know, and I, I'll fluctuate. So I've, I'm, I've never really I've always had to like work back, meaning and what I've learned is if you don't have a plan to stay in shape then you pretty much have a plan to get out of shape because like so you it's, it's something you actively have to work against the current there's a current in culture that's always like 
sleep in, eat more, drink more. Like that's just a current. So if you're not swimming against that, you're always going to fall out of a out of fitness or out of health. Um, but I'll have guys and there's probably some listeners listening now, right, where there's a group of you who are like, you already work out. You want to hone it and you're going to you know hit Daryl up, DM him. Yeah. CrossFit games, whatever. But I'll be honest, there's a whole other group of us. Right. There's a guys, especially where I was, you know, uh, probably like, you know, 10, 15 years ago where it's like working out. You don't even have time for that. Right. You're, you're so unhealthy. Your un- your lack of health, your lack of fitness, your lack of flexibility is a part of your life. Right. So you're just the big guy. You're the out of shape guy. And that's just who you are. It's almost like a fixture. It's a part of your identity. They're like, yeah, I'm good at all these other things. I'm smart or I'm successful. But your health is something that you've let or, or a woman listening. Your health is like it's just who you are. I'm this big. It's just who I am. Don't settle for that. I, 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 I call it. I, I refute it because I've been there where your lack of health has become such a part of your identity that no, like and like you got to start, I think, where you are. And I, I remember for me, part of it starts with getting education and help, a personal trainer, Weight Watchers, right? You know, I mean, you know, no guy would say, hey, I'm on Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or like, dude, like learn how to eat. I mean, for so long, I grew up, you know, on the south side of Fort Worth, Texas, you ate what mom and dad gave you. I never learned, and even in college, it wasn't until I was mid-20s I learned how to eat, like literally how to eat to fuel my body, not stuff my face. That is a that is a, a life skill that I didn't learn until I was in my mid-20s of how to eat, right, or, or how to rest, how to uh, recuperate, how to stretch. Like those are things I never learned, right? And and so I think there's a group of guys who are, you know, already average or above average fitness, but for if you're if you just never learned like, dude, don't be don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Just like start where you are. Right. You know, download an app, download a class, go to get a video and start your journey. I love I love, love, love when I see someone who is maybe overweight uh, at the gym or now at least running on the side of the road or running through the neighborhood, because I've, I've been that person that, you know, you're you're way overweight and you're just running and you don't know like at the end of this one year journey, how good it's going to feel not only to drop the weight, but to be a, in a better shape for your family and how they're going to be proud of you. So like, don't give up. Right. So there's just, there's those Daryl Coffees that have those good genes. They're good. Like don't hate on them, celebrate them. But for the rest of us, men, women get it. <laughs> don't be afraid. Well, and I think too, there's an, there's another side to this and I want to kind of, you know, kind of wrap all this up and come back to your point about having the ribs uh, and the beer today on your, you know on your Sunday Sabbath is that the other side of this is that we should work towards rest. And I think if you're in any good gym, if you're if you've got any kind of decent personal trainer, what they're going to teach you is that rest is really important. And what we find in the Word, man, like the Word has taught us from day one that rest is important. And this has been a real struggle for me. You know me, I'm a go, go, go kind of guy. I want to get it done. I want to stay active. I always want to be using as much time as possible to get as many things done as possible. But this idea of Sabbath, man, like it really was a struggle for me. And I don't say that with pride. I say that with ignorance. I say that with the kind of ignorance that said, hey, we were tithing our money, but we weren't tithing our time. And if you think about it, like, Money can be, I can make more money. I can't make more time. And so 
when I look at Sabbathing, I was like, man, like, I don't want to take a day off. Like, I got to get this house done or I've got to get this thing designed or I want to, you know, be working on this. And I think what's interesting is, is that by me committing to a Sabbath, I was saying, hey, I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust that you can turn six days into eight, right? Instead of me trying to get the most out of seven. Um, because what was happening is, is like I was finding that by the time I turned around on day one of the next week, I was exhausted. I was kind of like on this uh, hamster wheel, if you will, you know. And Johanna and I have always had this frustration in our marriage where she's like, you know, felt like at some point that she had to try to keep up. And part of that was because I was never choosing to take that day of rest. And so I read this book by John Mark Comer. It's called Garden City. It's going to be my recommendation for the night. It's Garden City by John Mark Comer. And this is a book that really focused on Sabbath and what that looks like. And uh, also kind of like what the picture of heaven was going to be. And I tell you, man, it really helped me reframe some stuff. And I read this book probably two years ago. And ever since, like I've been really committed to this idea of Sabbath. So as we record this, it's Sunday night. Um, and I Sabbathed all day today. I took a nap in the recliner. Um, I read some stuff that was really good. I played with the kids. Um, I ate good food with Johanna. Um, it was a beautiful day. We went to the pool. Like all of these things, none of them were work. They were just all things that I really enjoyed. And they have been refreshing. In fact, even this conversation that we schedule every Sunday night together is part of my Sabbath ritual. And man, it's so good and it feels so healthy. So what I would tell you is, is that you've just like fasting, I want to encourage you to integrate Sabbath into your work week in a way, not because it's a religious um, ritual, but I want you to include it because it's a mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional way to get yourself almost corrected again and in line with the way that God created the world. And again, just like Paul said, no matter where you find truth, it's truth, right? And so we found truth in Sabbathing. And man, it's just the way that the world is wired and it's a great space to be in. So back to your point about, man, you took the day off, you had this great meal with your family and your wife, you enjoyed a beer, right? All of that we find in Ecclesiastes has great value. So I would say, man, you did a great job on your Sabbath. Yes, I have outperformed Sabbath. Good to know. No, I'm with you, man. I think the Sabbath is so important. And I think role modeling that for your kids, because they're always watching and being able to role model for your spouse and your family. Hey, I'm unplugging and you are truly important. Um, you know, and their favorite thing on weekends, especially, um, is just hanging out with the family. Like that time we curled up on the couch, we played board games, we watched movies like we didn't do anything. And, you know, it wasn't productive in the work sense, but it was so productive and the ability to build lasting bonds, relationships, and just quality time uh, as well. And so, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't. I encourage that for sure. Uh, no, one of the books I'd I'd recommend is a book. I mean, it's a bestseller, so it's probably on everyone's list already. It's Atomic Habits by James Clear. You know, it has this you know proven ways to build good habits and break bad ones. And he just talks about you know this that idea of getting incrementally better every day. I'm getting that one percent better. And how to give yourself uh, positive and negative triggers, right? So, you know, and, and the power of uh, systems. And what happens is you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. 
So create the system you need. So when when you know Fat Adrian was training for a half marathon, I never run more than like a mile in my life, and I, I signed up for a half marathon. Guess what? That took systems. I had to wake up. I had a uh, uh, distance. I had to run every day. I had rest days. I had to eat a certain way. And because I had a system, if I had just hoped to run a half marathon, it would never work. But because I had systems. It, it allowed me to do that. And so I think the power of habits cannot be overlooked. I mean, you need to pray about it. You got you to gotta do all the things spiritually. But I think the physical um, effects of having good habits is I've seen that um, really make an outsized impact. So definitely encourage that uh, uh, that read. Obviously, it's uh, it's a very popular book. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have read it. But if you haven't, check that out. Yeah, I, I'll leave you with this. Energy is the common denominator in change in our work. So wherever you put energy, that's where you're going to see change at. Um, and also, when we talk about a, f- a physical change, right, wherever you put energy, you're going to see change at. So to your point, right, like you're creating these habits. You've created a spiritual habit. You've started to create physical habits as you train to run. Like you have to put in the energy to create that habit. And then once you do, like it almost becomes second nature, but it requires energy. And again, if you don't put the energy in, nothing's going to change, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The focus almost like the energy is a combination of your time and your focus. And you put those together into like, and you can do whatever you want. I mean, talk about transforming your life financially, transforming your life spiritually, transforming your career, changing your career, changing your relationship with your spouse or your kids. I mean, all these things can happen with intentionality and, and focus. And so uh, to me, it's those small steps that lead to really big gains as well, which is, has been a great thing. So this has definitely motivated me. Surprisingly, I've, I've taken the next two weeks off of work two weeks. I've never done this in my life. Like this is a social experiment. Two weeks off from work. I don't go back uh, until August the 4th. So we're recording this, you know, on uh, July 19th. Um, so I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm going to, I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to write because I've got like years of writing I haven't done. I'm going to read and I'm going to relax with my beautiful wife and my kids. And so I'm, I'm taking two weeks off, hang out, and I'm going to get back on the Durham Peloton. My wife loves her Peloton. So if you're a Peloton person, hit me up. I think I'm Parker on Peloton, username. So find me, friend me, track me, whatever you want to do. But I'm looking forward to Sabbathing for an extended period of time, but really getting back to focus and putting first things first. Yeah, I want you guys to hold him accountable on his Peloton over the next two weeks. <laughs> I uh, love it. Bring um, it. I'll leave you with this quote. A healthy person knows that they work towards rest and not the other way around. Yeah, that's it, man. I love it. We are working towards rest. This is going great, man. Thank you for sharing your your wisdom your uh, lack of dad bod, but your Greek God uh, insights. And hey, most of all, I, I think thank you for, I think, making it uh, approachable and achievable as well. So I, I've, I've learned some things and I love the idea of adult medicine. So I hope our listeners uh, had a great time. And if you have any, you know, workout questions, you hit up DC. But if you want to know my favorite uh, treats or sweets, you, you hit me up. <laughs> I do. I did love the little Swiss rolls as a kid that you could peel the chocolate off the outside and then eat the cake metal that were so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. 
Hey guys, this is DC, and this was the Unfollow Podcast. We hope you like what you heard today. And if you didn't, that's okay. There's 100,000 other podcasts you can choose to subscribe to. But if you like this one, do us a favor and subscribe or share it with a friend. 